Well, welcome to the Get Fit with Jodell show. I am Jodell, as usual, and um, Dr. Pete has honored us with his presence on the podcast yet again. And I, as I am sure you are thrilled, just like I am, every time we get a chance to talk with him. So it's a treat, Dr. Pete. So thank you. And uh, what's new in your world currently? Oh, I've been um, writing a newsletter on uh, vaccinations. Uh, sort of the history of uh, vaccination uh, and uh, explaining some of the physiological points that are being misrepresented. I am so excited to read that because uh, I'm, I'm pretty passionate about wanting to know all of the logistics about vaccinations as well. I've been looking into it for many years, so I'll be really anxious to read that. And you know, we love hearing um, from you and supporting you. And so for those of you out there listening who haven't signed up for his newsletter that he's talking about, which, by the way, will blow your hair back when you read it, um, and each time it comes out, I just get excited. So I highly encourage you guys to sign up for that newsletter as it is a way to show your support and appreciation for Dr. Pete and how generous he is with his knowledge and coming on the podcast so to do that, you can send an email to newsletter, all one word, at gmail.com. And to sign up for that newsletter, it's just real easy, and it gives your support to him as well. And um, if you're new to listening to the podcast, you can read an amazing plethora of research-based articles that Dr. Pete has written at raypeat.com. That's R-A-Y-P-E-A-T.com. So, without uh, further ado, we I we had such a good uh, podcast last time where people got to write in and ask questions, and it was really well received, so we decided to do that again. So, we've got quite a slew of questions that people have written in, um, so I thank you for posting your questions. We'll get to as many as the hour allows, and I might even have a few of my own to toss in there, Dr. Pete, so this will be fun. Um, the first question comes from Reba. And she asks, Dr. Pete, how can someone get rid of endotoxins in the body since we know how detrimental they are? Uh, a fiber cut uh, diet such as uh, a raw carrot, uh, if you shred a carrot fairly fine uh, and uh, add maybe olive oil and a little vinegar and salt, uh, it, it's... Uh, a pleasant enough food that you can eat it every day. Mm-hmm. And it happens that the carrot contains uh, the germicidal but harmless substances. Uh, root vegetables uh, growing underground have to resist uh, mold and bacteria uh, attacks. Uh, and that material has the same uh, disinfectant effect in the intestine. And uh, olive oil and vinegar also have a, a germicidal effect. So, so the salad is a good, protective, uh, daily stimulating uh, food. The, the bulk stimulates the intestine. So uh, generally the transit time is reduced if you eat a, a raw carrot every day. Uh, the average American, uh, according to uh, one survey, had... Uh, uh, I think it was a three-day three uh, transit time. Uh, the average person in Africa had less than a one-day transit time. Uh, but uh, if you can get your your intestinal activity increased, 
simply processing toxins and hormones, and especially estrogen, is uh, instantly inactivated when it reaches the liver. And uh, some of it goes into the bile, some of it is eliminated through the kidneys. But uh, the estrogen in the bile, if you don't have enough fiber in your intestine, uh, the estrogen can be reabsorbed and uh, returned to the liver. And when the liver is exposed to too much estrogen, it slows down and loses its ability to uh, detoxify estrogen. Uh, so having a, a good flow of fiber through your intestine not only suppresses the endotoxin, but it, it binds the uh, bile and the uh, estrogen content of the bile, preventing its reabsorption. So any kind of fiber has that anti-estrogen effect, but uh, raw carrot is a very safe one. So when you said salad, you're talking the raw carrot salad, not necessarily a dark leafy green salad, right? Um, no, I didn't experiment putting lettuce in a, a closed plastic bag to imitate the intestine absence of oxygen and kept it at about 80 or 90 degrees in the intestine that's close to almost 100 degrees Fahrenheit. But even uh, keeping it around 90 degrees, uh, after two or three days, the lettuce was just horribly rotten, uh, supported uh, a terrible bacterial growth and, and was stinky and foul-smelling. Mm -hmm. uh, and since we don't have enzymes to break down cellulose, uh, that same kind of process happens when you eat a, a raw, leafy material such as lettuce. Yeah, so stick to just the raw carrot salad if you really want to remove those endotoxins, right? Um, yeah, uh, but um, it, it, you can get uh, fairly safe fibers in, in other ways. For example, well-cooked oat bran is a, a pretty functional alternative, although uh, research in Australia found that chronic use of oat bran itself has some estrogenic and carcinogenic effects on the intestine. What about, um, I know you're a big fan of coconut products, but what about coconut flour? So if, because that's pretty high in fiber, but they make, I guess they dehydrate the coconut and, and you know, process it down into a flour. What do you think about that? Um, in studies in pigs, it, it didn't work so well. Okay. Uh, it, it supports uh, either bacterial or fungal growth. Okay. That's interesting since most of, most other coconut products we can trust in because they actually help it mitigate some of the fungus and yeast in the colon, right? Um, yeah, the co coconut oil, mm -hmm. if it's uh, well-refined and clean, okay. is a good fungus thing. Okay, great. Well, she also had another question. She said, what does Dr. Pete think about bone broth, specifically chicken broth? Oh, um, that's one of my favorites. Uh, backs, necks, wings, and feet mm -hmm. are all uh, high, in, high in collagen. Uh, and if you cook them thoroughly and then let it stand and skim off the fat, uh, then, then that's very good high, high, high uh, gelatin food. Okay, I've done like uh, the wings and the neck. I've never done the feet, so now I'm going to do the feet. <laughs> um, you have to 
be careful getting them from a farmer that you know, okay. uh, because a, a big processor uh, is likely to have processed the chickens uh, with antiseptics, wow. and, and sometimes the feet soak up a lot of the antiseptic. That's, that would be true, yes. That, that seems about right, <laughs> considering our society nowadays and what they do to our meat system. So, um, Okay, so Ben asks, what about weight training for bone density? He mentioned that you, you said that weight training, you know, various moves are efficient, but do, do we need to do regular weight training for bone density, or is there something else we can do? The diet really is, is the main thing, keeping your stress levels low mm-hmm. uh, and your activity comfortable doesn't have to be uh, anything special because the um, stress uh, in, involves several things that interfere with, with bone uh, repair and renewal. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the uh, Even a deficiency of uh, salt, a low salt diet can create stress that harms the bone. Uh, and so old people being told to, to keep their salt down uh, for blood pressure control, uh, uh, that's adding to their stress, increasing adrenaline, uh, uh, bringing up the parathyroid hormone that, that tears down the bone. Um, keeping a, a, a very, very high uh, ratio of calcium to phosphate in your diet is helpful uh, because that helps to suppress the parathyroid hormone. Uh, And the parathyroid hormone uh, uh, blocks the use of oxygen in all of your tissues uh, and that leads to the production of lactic acid in the bone which which, uh, dissolves the bone and uh, uh, contributes uh, in the long run to osteoporosis, but that same bone-destroying effect lowers the energy production in all of our cells, um, and uh, so a high calcium intake increases our metabolic rate uh, and uh, efficient oxidative metabolism all through the body, not just the bone. Would you also say that these individuals, or all of us, would want to be outside in the sun? Will that help with bone density as well? Um, yeah. Uh, the uh, vitamin D, um, the, the older a person is, the less cholesterol the skin contains, uh, and it's the ultraviolet light interacting with the cholesterol that makes vitamin D. Uh, so a person, especially a dark-skinned person, but anyone over the age of 50, it needs a lot more uh, exposure to sunlight to get their vitamin D level up adequately. Okay, and I like how last time you mentioned uh, chopping wood is actually a really great form of exercise, so that would be a way to increase bone density, I would think, too. Um, yeah, it's something that feels productive yeah. and uh, it isn't stress-inducing just by boredom. You can see the product of your labor, and that is anti-stress. I love that. Okay, so Sergey asks, I'd very much like to know how Dr. Pete would recommend to deal with insulin resistance and early type 2 diabetes. Should one be afraid of elevated blood glucose after saying goodbye to low-carb or keto? 
A lot of people who went keto for a vast amount of time are now saying that they're having insulin resistance, and even some have been diagnosed as type 2 diabetic. So it sounds like the stress of going into ketosis is part of the problem that's creating almost this diabetic effect on these individuals. Yeah, the ketogenic diet is always stress-promoting, and that means that it's diabetogenic to some extent. Um, the, it isn't really the, the, the diet that produces uh, ketosis. Uh, it isn't strictly generating ketones. Uh, the hydroxybutyrate is included as a ketone, but it's actually uh, an alcohol, not a ketone. And uh, studies that have um, looked at the, uh, the difference between actual ketosis and the presence of a high proportion of uh, hydroxybutyrate shows that the hydroxybutyrate stimulates cancer growth and other stress-related things. Um, so, so if you had an artificial source of ketones, that were real ketones, that would probably be very beneficial. But when you generate themselves, them yourself, you're under stress and you're creating cancer-promoting, degenerative type of situation. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so and I'm picking up a trend in your talking is is the the stress is the main cause. I mean, in all the podcasts we've done, you always go back to we've got to reduce the stress, you've got to calm down the stress in the body. So, 
One of my, you know, a personal question I'd like to ask you is what is your favorite way to de-stress, like, like kind of in your life? What, how do you like to de-stress? Oh, um, uh, playing a musical instrument mm -hmm. or uh, uh, painting mm -hmm. or uh, um, uh, just doing anything interesting. Yeah. Um, if there's if there's wood to chop, that, that's a, a good activity. <laughs> yeah, and uh, but I can see how when we dial that stress reduction in, a lot of these things we're talking about today, that's when we're going to see them get reduced as well, right? Um, uh, yeah, the, the the culture is designed uh, pretty much to uh, keep people under maximum stress. Yeah. <laughs> sort of, sort of like uh, idle hands are uh, likely to get in trouble, and, and so the, the economy is designed to keep everyone under maximum stress so that they don't get in trouble. But actually, it doesn't work that way. Yeah, they're not getting in trouble with society. They're getting in trouble in their health. And so what's wrong yeah. with just, you know, taking a blanket outside on the grass and laying on it and looking at and watching the clouds go by? I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but we we just don't take the time to do that. Uh, yeah, when the weather's good. That's <laughs> <laughs> okay, and moving on. Got a little sidetracked there because I love hearing your thoughts on stress. But a YouTube listener writes that this was an anonymous person said, "Please address how this all applies. This being the stress mitigation, and uh, actually they were talking within within regards to adrenal insufficiency. Someone who does not produce enough cortisol. He says, "All I hear." on different podcasts is that cortisol is evil and must be reduced, but a certain amount of cortisol is necessary for our bodies, isn't it? And without any cortisol, we would die. So can you address those who have low cortisol and how to balance that in a right ratio? Um, yeah, out of uh, thousands of people that I've, I've seen their blood tests, uh, I've only seen one or two that actually were deficient in cortisol uh, under, under Jones diagnosed as having an adrenal uh, deficiency of some sort but when you look at their their blood tests uh, they're doing fine on cortisol but the, the adrenals use cholesterol uh, to turn it into pregnenolone and then into uh, DHEA and, and uh, progesterone and cortisol and aldosterone. Uh, the cortisol and aldosterone are increased by uh, almost any stress, and uh, only a, a very small fraction of your pregnenolone or, uh, or cholesterol or progesterone uh, makes it uh, into uh, cortisol. So uh, there has to be a, a a great deficiency of cholesterol, pregnenolone, and progesterone before you experience an actual deficiency of cholesterol. And by the time you reach a real deficiency of 
would that be something that they would want to look into supplementing if they, if, you know, considering taking like a pregnenolone supplement if they find that they have very low cortisol? Um, uh, yeah, it, it will. Uh, in experiments on rats 60 years ago, uh, they uh, looked at the hormone level of, of the, all, all of the rats they were experimenting with, and some of them uh, were under stress from the handling and such, and they had higher than average cortisol. And then they gave them all uh, the, the equivalent for a person would be a cup full of of uh, powdered pregnenolone that killed their stomachs. I think it was 10 gram dose per rat, just a, a gigantic dose so that they couldn't eat anything for a few hours. But there were no changes in their steroid hormones except the ones who were under stress to start with. It brought their cortisol down to normal. So you, you can't push uh, upstream uh, in the adrenals. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the more pregnenolone or progesterone you take, the more normal you become. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it, it's the endpoint hormones that are produced normally only in extreme situations uh, like aldosterone, estrogen, and cortisol. Uh, these are dealing with specific problems. Uh, if you supplement those uh, beyond uh, what, what the body would be making, then you have potential problems with all of them. Okay. So that's good. That might be some good advice for that listener who maybe needs to increase their cortisol. That might be thinking about supplementing pregnenolone might be a, a, an, an easy fix right at first. Uh, um, yeah, the, there was a, a well-known book about 20 or 30 years ago uh, on the natural use of uh, hydrocortisone or cortisol. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, he is... Uh, Examples, uh, the data that he based it on uh, were, were very good examples uh, showing that uh, a tiny supplement like 5 or 10 micrograms of cortisol uh, could improve a woman's menstrual cycle, for example. But uh, I happen to know uh, some of his patients who he was giving uh, what he called a, a physiological dose of natural uh, cortisol. And after two or three months, they all started getting puffy faces, mm -hmm. a, a typical Cushing's disease. That was on a, a 20 milligram per day dose uh, in divided doses, uh, which is uh, what, what the body normally makes. But if you supplement that, it can be risky. Okay, well said. Next question is from Leanne, and she asks, what would be a good strategy to help with my immune system? I recently found out I have cytomegalovirus expressed and also Epstein-Barr virus, and I would like to increase my body's immune function. What do you say to that, Dr. Pete? Um, probably the majority of, of people have uh, those viruses, uh, and so it, it's a, a matter of keeping them from expressing themselves uh, and keeping uh, 
thing. And uh, when you look at studies of uh, general infections, not just those, but uh, the, the more more serious infections, uh, polio or, or uh, uh, all of the things that they vaccinate for, measles and mumps and so on, uh, if you supplement uh, vitamin A and vitamin D uh, alone, those two vitamins uh, are just about as effective as a, a huge uh, vaccination campaign. Uh, and uh, the, the uh, viruses that are, are resident in uh, the majority of people uh, aren't, aren't doing any harm if their immune system is okay. But, uh, for example, if you're overweight, your blood level uh, might seem to show a normal amount of vitamin A and vitamin D. But uh, your, your tissues uh, can be very deficient, uh, and uh, the person will, will benefit uh, from bringing their vitamin D and vitamin A, among other nutrients, uh, up to uh, a functional level. Uh, actually, I did a podcast with Jordi Dinkoff earlier today, and we were talking about vitamin D, and I was mentioning how I was recently in Hawaii, and I noticed that after talking to a couple of my friends that live there, they don't have a cold and flu season, and I wonder if that is, can, is part of the reason why, you know, they get vitamin D every day from ample sun in Hawaii, and I wonder if just keeping their levels up is keeping the whole state from having a cold and flu season. Uh, yeah, I've known several people who used to have uh, maybe five episodes every uh, every fall and winter of colds or flu when they started taking vitamin D. Not another episode from from uh, multiple cases every year to none in several years. It makes sense. It's, you know, so we need sun for a reason, and so even if we can't get it, there we can supplement the sun, and so that sounds like it's pretty important. As far as, like, other immune boosters, what do you think about um, colostrum? Um, that probably is helpful in uh, emergency situation, but I don't think you need it. Uh, uh, magnesium is another nutrient that... Uh, Many people are deficient in if your diet has too much phosphate, uh, you just can't get enough calcium and, and magnesium to balance it. And if your thyroid is slow, your cells don't retain magnesium, uh, and the magnesium deficiency uh, opens up your immune system to uh, syrups uh, of these uh, endogenous viruses, uh, herpes, Epstein-Barr, and so on. And what are you, what about your thoughts on, like, monolaurin, which is, like, from lauric acid, like, from coconut oil? I know people use that as kind of an immune system booster. Um, uh, the guy who was popularizing that about 10 or 15 years ago asked me to join in the campaign to promote it. Mm -hmm. 
and he uh, got huffy and uh, said I was anti-scientific, but uh, I, I've looked for uh, safety studies and I, I'm not convinced uh, those uh, uh, things in any of the uh, 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 lipid uh, things that are uh, germicidal, uh, they can also be uh, disturbing to our uh, digestive system. Okay, good to know, because you hear people talk about that, and you'll read reviews on certain things, and you just don't know until you talk to somebody who knows, like you. So that's good. When I eat a fat like butter or coconut oil, it is in the triglyceride form, and our digestive system is very well equipped to handle quite a, quite a bit of that natural triglyceride fat and it breaks the particles up in the tiny uh, chylomicron particles uh, and uh, those will pass uh, uh, into the um, uh, lymphatic system. Uh, the, the, um, the chylomicrons uh, are formed only, only when you have uh, uh, the right amount of, of the right uh, type of, of triglycerides. And if you put other emulsifying things or, or very abnormal lipids, uh, it can disrupt our ability to make chylomicrons. Uh, and since the chylomicrons are the major pathway for absorbing vitamins A, K, uh, D, and E, uh, if, if you uh, just disturb the chylomicrons uh, for too long, then you can get the deficient in the fatty vitamins. Hmm, okay. Uh, next uh, question comes from another anonymous person, and they said, uh, with kidney issues such as frequent urination and seeming to dump all my minerals, daily with frequent bouts of urination, what do you suggest to calm down the kidneys and also help them to function more optimally? Um, the two hormones most protective for the kidneys are progesterone and thyroid and the vitamins that I've just been mentioning, especially vitamin D, is extremely protective for the kidneys. And uh, uh, making making sure that you uh, get the essential minerals, sodium, potassium, calcium, and magnesium in a generous amount every day uh, it, it is protective for the kidneys. Uh, uh, drinking too much water uh, rather than uh, milk or, or juices, uh, the water uh, can, uh, as she said, wash, wash the minerals uh, out of you. Uh, just by uh, uh, not providing, it, it fills up your stomach and satisfies your thirst, but it doesn't provide any nutrients. Uh, so it, it's better uh, only to drink water when you're thirsty. Uh, uh, milk, juice, and coffee are uh, accompanied by uh, some essential nutrients in each one. Okay, and are you a fan of coconut water? Oh, um, in, uh, if you um, op open up a fresh green coconut, uh, it's very nice. But uh, I don't uh, trust any of it uh, commercially sold because uh, I've seen some of it c containing uh, uh, 
preservative. Uh, but uh, imagine if, it, if you're sure it doesn't have a preservative and it's just uh, pasteurized and bottled. That is probably good. Okay, very good. Okay, Allison asks, can white willow bark be taken instead of aspirin? Um, it it, it um, works for, for some people, but um, it does have other ingredients. Uh, uh, so the, the, uh, the tannin uh, type substance in any herb uh, can be irritating to the intestine. So it's uh, pretty much a personal matter whether whether it works for you. Okay. And just briefly, in case people are new to the, your thoughts on aspirin, can you tell people just a few thoughts uh, about how you feel that aspirin is beneficial? I know it's kind of a new school of thought in today's world. Even for me as a nutritionist, when I had first heard you say that, never was I taught that in nutrition, the training that I went through. And so I... Once you tell, told me the benefits, it made total sense, but I'd like for the listeners to hear you say that. Um, it, it has many functions, um, anti-inflammatory functions, but the, the thing that has been studied most is blocking the production of prostaglandins. Uh, and uh, those are formed uh, from uh, any inflammation tends to trigger uh, the formation of, of these short uh, acting hormones, but uh, all of them have some uh, very harmful uh, side effects besides what they primarily do. Most of them are, are simply amplifiers of the inflammation, uh, and they're produced in the brain, in every organ, heart, and so on. Uh, in response to a, a minor trigger of inflammation. So uh, they're produced in proportion to the amount of polyunsaturated fat incorporated into all of these tissues. And uh, as we age, uh, increasing uh, sharply in the, in the teens as our growth slows down uh, so that we're, our, our metabolic rate slows and we aren't diluting them or oxidizing them as fast as a baby does. Uh, from about the age of 20, we very efficiently uh, keep adding polyunsaturated fatty acids into our tissue structures so that from the age of, of 20 to 40, uh, uh, we're probably doubling uh, the amount of PUFA in our tissues, and PUFA is what uh, converts to prostaglandins uh, in the event of inflammation. So a, a fetus or a newborn baby heals uh, an injury uh, without scars, uh, and all through childhood, uh, injuries heal very, very quickly uh, and with relatively little inflammation. But as the proof in their tissue accumulates, wounds heal more slowly, cause more inflammation, uh, and uh, can, can leave uh, scars uh, that are interfering with function. Uh, uh, whenever you have a, a systemic inflammation producing lactic acid and uh, uh, prostaglandins, uh, that both, both of these are increasing the deposition of collagen in the tissues. Uh, so uh, with aging, the body becomes uh, approaching something 
My favorite feature, too, is that it helps to lower excess cortisol. Is that correct? Um, yeah, it um, lowers the pituitary ACTH production, uh, and ACTH also brings up the adrenal aldosterone, uh, which is, uh, uh, contributes uh, to, to the collagen uh, production of, of aging and uh, deterioration in general. Uh, so not, not just protecting against uh, cortisol, but a whole range of uh, degenerative processes. Wonderful. Okay, so now we know the benefits of aspirin. Um, Nick asks, I've been taking cod liver oil pills for vitamin A and vitamin D. He says in a previous interview to avoid fish oils, which I've never heard before. So does that include cod liver oil? Should I stop? Well, the cod liver oil at least is giving you and A, uh, which is beneficial if you don't have a, another source. But uh, uh, I think it's, it's good to... Uh, use a, a fish oil-derived uh, vitamin A and, and D if most of the other uh, fish oils have been removed uh, because uh, the, uh, studies of um, uh, the fate of ingested fish oil are very interesting. Uh, they, if you look at them uh, just in a bottle, uh, I, I did experiments uh, with a bottle of unsaturated oils, uh, put a rubber tube in the bottle and uh, put the other end of the rubber tube in water. And uh, every day uh, the water climbed up the rubber tube because of the oxygen consumption of the saturated fat. Uh, fish oils are extremely uh, uh, quick to uh, react with oxygen. And in these studies, uh, they found that before they reached the bloodstream, the majority of them had been oxidized, and they are very quick to be stored if they make it into the bloodstream. So with aging, the brain accumulates these oxidizable fatty acids, but the oxidation continues in the brain, and the neural prostate is what they call the breakdown product when they happen in the brain. Isoprostane in other tissues is the uh, uh, randomly produced equivalent of the uh, prostaglandins. Uh, the neuroprostanes are made from uh, uh, the, the type of fatty acid that predominates in fish. 
already oxidized and they are immunosuppressive. A toxic effect on the immune system can temporarily reduce inflammation by damaging the cells that would would react to harm. So for about six months, they are anti-inflammatory by blocking some of the immediate inflammatory reactions of the immune system. But after that, the immune deficiency starts showing up and the animals experimented on with fish oils then became more susceptible to all kinds of infections. Well, and I guess even all throughout my years of doing nutrition consults, I was never comfortable promoting fish oils just for the mere fact of if you think logically about how much processing it has to go through to get the oil out of a fish into a capsule, it just doesn't seem logical that that oil would then retain all of the nutrient value to go in someone's body and be beneficial. So I just really struggled with with promoting that. I just told people, you know, eat fish and get your fish naturally. Uh, historically, it was made of very good varnish uh, because it oxidizes so thoroughly. <laughs> uh, and, and if you imagine that happening in your body, you, you don't want varnished blood vessels. Right. So if you have any leftover fish oil at home, just start using it as varnish for your furniture at home. <laughs> don't ingest it. <laughs> yes, I agree. Okay, so Victoria asks, can women who are vegans or vegetarians successfully follow Dr. Pete's uh, nutritional guidelines and maintain a healthy menstrual cycle? Um, It happens that the only uh, non-animal proteins that are are really uh, adequate for human needs are potatoes and mushrooms. And uh, you can thrive uh, uh, as far as potato, as far as protein goes, with either potatoes or, or mushrooms. And mushrooms happen to generally have uh, more of the trace minerals uh, than than potatoes. Uh, so you can get your uh, iron uh, uh, from the mushrooms uh, and all of the uh, uh, other nutrients except B12 and uh, vitamin A. Uh, from potatoes, uh, and uh, some people have said that mushrooms uh, can provide a B12, I'm not sure if that, but uh, adequate bacteria in the intestine uh, will make vitamin B12, uh, and so vitamin A is, is the main problem, uh, and uh, carotene, if your thyroid function is good, and if you have vitamin D12, uh, those are needed for converting carotene into the actual vitamin A, which is needed for making progesterone, which is uh, essential for maintaining good periods. Uh, And so the problem becomes uh, that so many vegetables uh, block your uh, thyroid function. Uh, as long as you can keep your thyroid functioning and have vitamin B12, uh, then you can convert carotene adequately to vitamin A to make your hormones. Mm-hmm. And as far as like for vegans or vegetarians, would something like uh, nutritional yeast, would that bring in some B vitamins since it is kind of high in B12? 
Oh, oh yeah, but potatoes and the, uh, mushrooms are very rich in all of the vitamins, all the nutrients, except, except for iron and vitamin A. Mm-hmm. And sometimes B12 might be a, a limiting factor. And as far as, like, are there foods, you know, you hear people talk about yams and things like that that promote estrogen, but do you think that there's actually foods that can naturally promote poor, I mean, I mean, progesterone, do you think that there's foods that can naturally promote more progesterone in the body? Um, no. Um, only things that um, uh, provide uh, uh, energy, um, uh, sodium, calcium, uh, and sugar are, are necessary for making the, the thyroid that you need to make the uh, progesterone. But uh, there, there are no uh, foods that directly uh, go to the progesterone system. Okay. Good to know. That's kind of my thoughts too. I was like, I didn't, I wasn't really convinced of the whole yam thing being a promoter of progesterone. I didn't see how one food could be a promoter. I know that the yam story, people were, were for times trying to sell yams as a, a progesterone promoter, but the crude sterol in yams is actually estrogenic and, and very toxic. What does Dr. Pete think of stevia? And I remember reading there's a few studies linked to infertility with stevia, and it got my kind of wheels turning thinking, well, maybe it's because these people are swapping out sugar for stevia, and good forms of sugar could be the reason why they it would help just promote a system that's making more progesterone for fertility or other sex hormones. And so perhaps that would be the reason why they were infertile, is they kind of gave up on the good natural sugars. Um, now we're towards the end, so I had one question I threw in here at the end, um, and it's kind of a personal one again. I like to learn about you, so I have a question for you. I would love to know, do you have a favorite quick and easy recipe that you love and that you would like to share with us? Oh, not, not one in 
then be kind of like a grits almost? And so do you have kind of a recipe that you're working on now with your with the masa? How do you do your custard? I know you mentioned custard a minute ago. Um, yeah, yeah, just eggs, milk, and sugar, and vanilla. Okay, that sounds easy enough. I might have to try that. <laughs> okay, well, that's the questions that we had on tap for today. So I thank you once again for your time and your careful consideration on all these and sharing your vast knowledge. So we appreciate you. And again, you guys that are listening, check out the newsletter, raypeatsnewsletter at gmail.com is how you want to order that. And you can get it in your inbox or you can get it um, in your mailbox. So you can go the a nice way of actually reading a hard copy. Dr. Pete, thank you once again. I appreciate you so much and we'll do this again soon. Okay, thank you. All right, have a wonderful afternoon. Bye-bye.